those are like the three fundamental things I look at, which is connection, talk time, and appointments as like some metrics of saying like, hey, what's is is are they being efficient with their time ultimately? And that's what's really important because if we can't get them as agents and, and you guys as agents, if you can't get to your next deal, you can't survive in this business for 30 more days. Welcome back, real estate rock stars. I am Shelby Johnson, and today I'm here with Eric Perez, who is the chief operations officer for the Figueroa team, which is a massive team of 70 agents, 11 staff members out of Central Florida. From the time that Eric joined their organization back in 2019, they have closed over 4,000 units. So just a little bit of experience. And I know we normally don't interview people other than agents, but because a lot of you are probably sitting there like, I wish I had systems in my life and I wish I knew how to leverage some of the things off my plate. Well, uh, we have Eric here and we can pick his brain on where to start. So Eric, welcome. Thank you for having me. Hello. Dude. Everybody. Yeah. Thanks so much for joining us. And before we dive in, can we get like a little bit of context as to like how you became chief operations officer or like the the things that happened in your life that led you to this moment <laughs> yeah it's uh it's my whole life right so we'll just do my professional career uh, really quick. <laughs> so i went to school at ucf central florida go knights i uh, studied computer science um and i worked in uh, technology or it just basic it work out of college for a company called hard work international i'm sure you've heard of them they got a bunch of casinos and a restaurant. So I worked there for three years. They were relocating their their corporate office out of Orlando. I wanted to stay. My mom's here. My family's here. So um, they told us a year ahead of time, you're going to have the severance if you stay or a relocation package. In that time, uh, a lot of people left in that like year exodus. So there's a lot of jobs that need to be picked up. So I went from just working basic IT support on systems to uh, getting a, a shot at working with data. And then when I started working with data and reports, I kind of became obsessed with that. So mm -hmm. I went from hard rock to startups, uh, almost like a three and a half, four year span in startups, hospitality startups, where we primarily focused on measuring agent performance in mm -hmm. terms of behaviors and how it correlated to, to uh, you know, monetary performance or money for a company. So I did that for three and a half years at a company at a winter park here in Orlando. And then when COVID happened, Obviously, 95% uh, of our employees were hospitality, which is like amusement parks, hotels, rental cars, anything with a front desk where a sales agent could, could upsell. Um, that basically went away when COVID happened because nobody was traveling. So had to kind of figure out what I was going to do. So I started doing some consulting work for a couple of companies. And then I met Veronica Figueroa, my, my wonderful business partner and team leader. And uh, we kind of hit it off. She was like, well, you do agent performance. I got a like 30 agents, it's like you want to come and measure them and see how they're performing on different metrics because uh, real estate have this, I call it the big ticket syndrome. It's like big sales price volume, big GCI, but they don't measure efficiency. You know, mm. like if somebody closes 15 transactions in a year, but it took them 290 leads to do it, like they're not that efficient. They're not even close to being a 10%, right? So it's just, so we started measuring efficiencies and things like that. And then I literally saw some financials and I was like, you guys make this much money selling real estate. I was like, shit, I gotta, I gotta jump on this train. I was like, what are you guys doing? People pay you that for selling a house. And I was like, what is this all about? So, uh, got more in deep with, uh, Veronica in 2019. And then three months after I'm hired, she's like, Hey, 
I'm getting rid of your boss. You're running the ship. And I'm like, dude, I was a solutions architect. I was here to build dashboards, run reports, just be like a, like a nerd. You know what I mean? And now you have me leading this, this organization that I don't even really comprehend completely in the industry. So that's how it happened. That's the long and short. So I ended up here and yeah, and I just kind of took it day by day. Uh, dude, going just, forward. She threw you into the fire. She's like, I'm going to test him real quick with these things that he says he's good at. And then I'm just going to drop everything. Oh, no, I'm just kidding. But okay. So you were originally hired. And the, re the reason why I'm asking this is because if I'm listening to this and I have a team or maybe I don't have a team, I just have like, chaos in my business and I need help in some sort. Like when you were originally hired and you were hired to provide solutions with dashboards and running reports, like what yeah. were the specific things that she had you digging into? So she actually didn't have me, she just, she's not the, the depth person in terms of the data. It's almost like she's the visionary. She'll get you to point Z, but you got to figure out A through X, you know, uh, before, but um, I looked at it from just other outside industries. And, and one of the most prominent things that we study um, in terms of performance is conversion rate. We all know that number of conversion rate. And, and conversion rate can be looked at as a lot of things. I think in real estate, like how many uh, leads you had and how many you closed. Well, conversion rate, rate is really a concept of success over trials, right? And then you can really drill that down um, in a lot of ways. So how many times did you call somebody and they answered success over trials? How many, there's a way to, so I really focus on conversion rate for the whole business and then efficiency associated with it. So like, how is this person converting, right? How many leads will we give them? How many did they close? How many leads did they take? How many did they close? Uh, uh, conversion rate by lead source, which ones are they doing better at? So that basic understanding allowed us to then make some behavioral decisions on like, hey, my friend, hey, you're great. I love you. You've been on the team for five years, Shelby, but you can't convert crap out of this lead source this is not for you you know what i mean or we got to figure out or we got to inspect why it's not working at the rate that we expect it to do and then honestly when you start ranking agents by conversion rate and not sales by volume and gci your total your total scoreboard flips on its head sometimes the same people stay in their spot but then you really start like okay let me let me look at my business differently so provide providing some performance metrics like that just really help you look at it differently and there's a ton of tools now that do it for you back then we we're in a not great crm to provide that data so i was manually like pulling it and cutting it but now there's tools like follow-up boss and brevity and sierra that all have chime that all have this data already in it um so it's just really about the usage of the applications and and then look taking a look at it to see see what it is and then making decisions off of it don't be scared to make decisions off of it yeah that's important too. So, so i'm sitting there and i don't know my conversion rates at all and i don't even i mean i know a little bit about what that means because you just explained it a little bit but like what would you say if there's an agent or a team out there who's trying to figure out from nothing what their conversion rates is like what what should they do well, number one, it's, it's habitual practice. So number one, take an hour or two a day to work on your business, not in your business. So if you're running and gunning, you're a real estate agent, are always out there. Like you've got to put some time into understanding what you're doing from a bigger scale. And then how you would simply calculate it is how many leads you generate in a certain period of time and how many did you close? That's it. You take the closings, divide it by, it's a simple math equation, closings divided by number of leads, and that's your general conversion rate. And that's it. And would you, are you like tracking this, like, you know, before you had all the systems, is this like a straight up Excel sheet or like a yeah. piece of paper on your desktop, like where you have, you, you know, the 
Yeah. Dude, totally. <laughs> when I was explaining this to the team, I remember I come in, I'm like, and I come from a tech world where all we talk about is efficiencies, conversion rates, and KPIs, right? Our application, all it did was display that for these hospitality groups. So I'm coming in and I'm like on a whiteboard and then they're just looking at me like, what does this mean? And I'm like, okay, let me, let me try this again. Okay. Then Sally had six leads and then took two of them on showings, you know, so they got 20% to the showing stage. Sally did pretty, you know, or whatever the case may be. So no, this is helpful. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So it's kind of like just looking at success over trials, like how many clients did you talk to? and actually got appointments from. That's a good conversion rate. So I talked to a hundred people and 10 of them wanted to go an appointment for me. You know, I, I converted that leads, you know, prospects to appointments 10% of the time. That's pretty good, right? And, and, and cause if you look at it just from people to closings, it's always gonna be a relatively small number because real estate is such a hard transactional process, right? Like mm -hmm. it's not easy to buy a home. Like it's the hardest thing in America, matter of fact. So I think, uh, when you look at it, just success over trials. If you look at it like that, like, okay, how many calls did I get? How many connections I did? You know, that's a small conversion rate on my success over trials. And you can kind of like extrapolate from there, but it's really just whatever you consider success divided over whatever you consider as a trial. That's the basic way to do it. Okay. And it would be, I'm sure there's like different levels. So hypothetically, it's only one lead source. Maybe it's, you know, cold calling or whatever, but then there's like right. the first, the first piece would be, you know, getting them on the phone. And then the next is like what setting an appointment. So there's like, are there, what are the, what are the benchmarks yeah. that you okay, guys use? Cool. This is really good. So I, I, I look at this a lot for my team. I look at connections. I look at talk time and I look at appointments, right? And why connections? How often am I connecting with the consumer? Because Shelby, if you're calling every day between one to four and your connection rate is really, really low, like let's, people aren't available to talk to you. Let's try a different time. So that gives you some data like, okay, my connection rates are a little bit low. Let me go to the morning and let me go to the afternoon. And for us, we found nine through 11 and four to seven were the peak hours for our team to connect with people. So right now I got you on the phone, but I can't get you to talk to me for more than two minutes. So how am I going to send an appointment? I'm not doing anything. Well, what are you saying? Like, what are these scripts look like? Like, what are you going through the process? So that's a part where you can delineate and be like, okay, well, this person's great at getting connections, but can't last more than two minutes. Right. Now you have someone who gets connections, lasts for two minutes, but can't set an appointment. Right. So those are like the three fundamental things I look at, which is connection, talk time, and appointments as like some metrics of saying like, hey, what's, is, is, are they being efficient with their time ultimately? And that's what's really important because if we can't get them as agents and, and to you guys as agents, if you can't get to your next deal, you can't survive in this business for 30 more days. I got to get you to your next deal. That's my job as a team leader and operator. And that's your job as an agent. I'm sure you have way more things to worry about than just 30 days in the business. If you're professional, you have family, kids, dreams, hopes, goals, your own investments, which I, I applaud real estate agents. If you find a good house, think about buying it first, right? Before you, you just do the transaction. But those are the three things I look at at scale for our team and at a micro level. When I'm having one-on-ones with the agents, it's your connection rate, your talk time, and your appointment setting, right? Because mm -hmm. you can't make someone buy a house and you don't own the product. You can't change the price of it. You're just facilitating, educating someone through a process. If you can't have good talk time, you're never going to get to the opportunity to get face-to-face -face with them. So it all kind of scales up and scales down. Real quick, as you likely know, the 2024 Real Estate Rockstars Mastermind is sold out. 
not. But if one of your preferred vendors is looking for marketing opportunities, we are looking for sponsors. We would love to get their name and business out to 80 highly motivated real estate agents from across the country. Know someone who'd be interested? Go to realestaterockstarsnetwork.com and shoot us a quick email for more information. Thanks so much. Back to the show. That makes a ton of sense. And the connections kind of seems pretty straightforward for the talk time though. Let's say, you know, I am two minutes or less and I can't get those, keep them on the phone and you are here like counseling me or coaching me. What, what are the questions or what are you saying to me to help pull out what I need to be doing differently? Well, number one, I listen to about hundred calls a week. I just randomly spot check my team. So we're pulling up some of the calls. And the crazy thing about this, Shelby, you believe this, is I know real estate, real estate like individuals are social, they love to talk, interaction, things with it. People talk themselves out of appointments more than anything else. Mm-hmm. Sometimes the biggest thing you do is pause and open-ended questions. Ask a question and just listen. And then give yourself the opportunity to ask the next right question. So there's so many scenarios, but when I hear people just spew out, this is Eric Perez, with the Figueroa team, brokered by EXP, you know, broker partnered with Realty.com. I saw you had an inquiry online. Like, dude, that person's like, okay, I'll see you later. It's like, hey, how you doing? This is Eric with the Figueroa team. Pause. <laughs> Hi, Eric. What, you know, what can I do for you? Oh, just wondering. I saw you poking around on our website. If, you know, you had an interest or any questions about the home you were looking at, pause. Well, I don't remember what home I was looking at. Well, this one right here, 123 Main Street. It's got three bedrooms, two baths, nice backyard, potentially for the family that you have. You just make some inferences and just keep it open-minded. And all of a sudden, you're, you'll realize they will start giving you more information and then you use that as ammo for the next question. But usually when they're at two minutes, because they're just like word vomiting on people and it's like they're trying to get to talk instead of listen, people talk themselves about appointments more than you know. You know, less is more in this case. Allow them to tell you they're your solutions expert. If you can't get the problem out of them, what's the point? Less and more is less is more is one of my favorite sayings for like the past two years. I say it all the time, just to remind myself. Yeah. Uh, but okay, so far got it. So if I'm sitting there listening, I am tracking my connections, how often yep. I'm connecting with people, my talk time, and my appointments. And hypothetically, if I have multiple lead sources, I probably have multiple different trackers or is this just like well, in the beginning? no like if you're a solo like agent like trackers, speaking, Eric. <laughs> yeah there's no point in that that yeah don't do that like don't do that just do overall because uh like lead genning is a whole nother conversation we can have like where does the source of your business come from and it could be online layers sphere open houses like if you're really lead genning at a high level and you have so much opportunity coming in then you want to get granular. But guess what? That's not the case in this market. Interest rates are relatively high. Lead aggregators is still down 35 to 40%. So even if you're buying leads, you're getting less than what you're paying for last year. I mean, that's just a fundamental fact of where we're at in the market today. So worrying about that doesn't really matter. It's more about having the habit of doing the behaviors and then having retroactive, like having retrospect after like, okay, my prospecting hours are done. How did I do? I made 300 calls, only spoke to X amount of people. Here's my total talk time, I got X amount of appointments. Okay, let us let me look into these. Number one, low connections, right? Let me look at the hours I'm calling. Number two, low talk time. Let me just rebound. Listening to call agents, listening to their own calls is probably like, it's a hard thing to ask someone to do. But Nails on chalkboard? Oh, God, it's worse than that. It's like, why did I say that? Oh, oh my God. Look, and, I've, and I call my database as well, especially when we get a new lead source, just to see like, 
how they interact when I, when I respond to them before I give them to the agents, just to see like, you know, like lead source A is telling you this, how they generate the lead, but that's not always the case. Let me see. I never signed up on that. I never did this. It's kind of figuring out like what their general responses or objections. So I can kind of coach the agents on and like, Hey, this is what you have looking forward to. But listening to your own calls is probably one of the worst things ever, but it's so important. It, it's like, listen to yourself when you're learning a new language. Like it's so important to actually listen to how you sound compared to how you think you sound. Right. And that goes for real estate as well. So um, I would look at that, listen to calls and seeing like, man, how come I couldn't get them to meet with me? And if you're driving with the, uh, if you want to see homes or you want me to do a home evaluation, if you're driving with a hard call to action, no, it's like, Hey, let's just meet at your house. Take a look at your property. Say, you want to meet so I can understand why you're even home searching. Let's get coffee. Let's do something that's very value driven. And then when you show up, make sure you're providing value. Like Gary Vee model leads with value 150% of the time. Always give them something because I think we take the general concept that everybody knows real estate like we do as agents. They know nothing. Like they literally thought they could buy the $800,000 house with 600 credit score and $10,000. You have to educate them that if you want this house, this is the prescription we're going to put into place and we're going to leave a value. We're going to work on it each and every month to get you there because it's the hardest thing to buy. Or you have to come to Jesus, like realize like, hey, brother, that one isn't for you, but we're going to go to this area because it's more affordable and you're kind of going to get, you're going to get kind of what you want and the schools are decent, et cetera, et cetera. So I think for them, call listening and, and just really focusing on getting appointments that are more making deposits into a relationship rather than trying to hard close them. Like I got agents that would be like, when do you want to see house? When do you, like guys, the economy that we're in today, the realistic approach is that you better build a relationship because it takes nine and a half months is the average time of buyer in my database to convert. So there's no way on your third call they're going to want to go see a house with you. They have no idea what they're getting themselves into. So, love a good stat. I hadn't heard that one. Nine and a half months. That's that's yeah. a good thing for people to like soak on though because it really is a long game, um, and and you know sometimes even longer than that. But if you can play the long game, Averages. you can win. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so Eric, we've got we're tracking we're tracking conversions, right? Yeah. And you mentioned earlier, like your bread and butter is efficiency, conversion rate, and KPIs. So, what other things are you guys like tracking within your organization? Closings, obviously, but we're not going to talk about that. But um, average contacts per closed deal, and this is very much for education to the agent. So unfortunately, the way real estate works and how tough it is for us today, which is okay because this is where the real professionals shine in my in my opinion. This is where the skill, you know, it's a skill-based market. It's the ones that are willing to do what it takes to keep this as a profession. Like last year, I did the analysis for my team on my last presentation. It was about 112 calls and 115 texts and about 13 appointments per closing. This year so far, this year so far, it's 428 calls, 425 texts, and almost 34 appointments per closing, right? So when we're looking at this, it's like, hey, guys, if you, what you're feeling out there is relative to the market. It is taking more. You will have to do more to do the same last year. You know, so for us, I always try to track that every six months on average contact attempts per closing. Because that allows me to, to basically, hey, like, 
you know, this isn't something that like your leads are just bad or your sphere of influence is bad. Like this is a market dependent, you know, statistic for our entire team. This is an average for 70 agents in central Florida, right? So the, when we look at it, it's like, Hey, what you're feeling that hustle and bustle a hundred percent. So let's get better at time blocking. Let's get better at being efficient and really focusing on their life behaviors because time to take vacation is not this year. You know, time to put some things in the back burner is not this year, you know, and it kind of gives them. So we track that so we can give a good narrative to our agents like, hey, this is why we work hard. This is why we have mandatory prospecting hours. I'm not asking you to prospect X amount of hours a day or X amount of calls a week because Eric or Veronica thinks it's a good idea. This is the market is telling us you need to do to survive in this industry. So I always look at that number so I can give them that data back and be like, hey, how many average contract attempts and appointment did it take for me to get a closing? You know, some agents are less because they're more efficient. Some agents are more because they're maybe a little bit newer or less efficient. But when the averages are important to look at, because it's like, you know, what are we really doing here? Like we're working really, all of us in this industry are working really, really hard to stay on top. And it's a requirement. It's not something that like, oh, the ones that work hard survive. Like, no, 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 no. Like you need, or the ones that work hard make a lot of money. No, you need to work hard to survive at this point. And I have to get that data and show it to my agents and my team so they understand that that's the narrative and that's the game we have to play. Real quick, before we get back to the episode, two things I wanted to share. First, thank you so much for tuning in week after week. It really means the world to all of us. Second, we feel like we're just getting started. If you enjoy what we do here, please follow us on this app, share an episode, or give us a quick review. I promise we're working hard behind the scenes to make this show as good as possible now and into the future. Thanks guys, back to the show. Tracking. So I'm still, I'm still like, you know, if I'm listening, I'm like, oh my gosh, that's so much to track. So I've left the spreadsheet and the thing on my desk behind. What CRM do you recommend for being the best to have a holistic tracking within your business? Yeah. So um, if you're a solo agent, I would say go with all in one solution. So like a Brivity, a Chime, a Sierra. If you have a team, you can use any of those as well. But and follow Boston to mix as well. Follow Boston into I love Fub. That's one of my favorites. The reporting is dynamic. You can pick different KPIs. You can kind of build your reporting out as well. But all of them really tell you the information you need. Just depends. Like, do you want a website to go along with your CRM? If it is, then go with the all-in-one solution, like a Chime, a Brivity, a Sierra. If you're kind of like, hey, I'm, I have my own website. I'm a team leader. Right. I have my own website for years. Then use something like Fub that integrates well with basically any website. And then it's, it's, you know, it's like a standalone CRM product. But most of the ones that everybody hears about do a good job in providing that data. Gotcha. And if you're sitting there listening, like, oh, I, when am I going to have time to like transfer every, everything to a CRM and build it out? Well, you can just like rewind and re-listen to what Eric said in the beginning about how you need to take an hour or two to work on your business every single week and have that like, built into your schedule with the time blocking. Um, Okay. Before we hit record, Eric, you were talking a little bit about the consumer journey. And so at this point, we've kind of tracked some data and hypothetically this lead is entering our database. What are you guys doing to uh, like lock in the consumer journey or whatever you want to tell me about, about that? Yeah. So it's been a year long project. So we just did our first optimization, meaning that we looked at what we did for a year saw what ads worked, what emails worked, and kind of like 
refreshed our journey with the ones that, you know, had the highest open rate, highest impression rates, things like that. But um, when I talk to solo wages, especially, because I do, I know we were even concerned, like, hey, how am I going to connect with your, you know, your consumer base, your listener base? And I think for, for, for me, it's like a consumer journey is, is, is like a look and feel that you provide to your consumer right when they get into your, your database, right? Like do, the first thing they get is a phone call. So they get a text and an email introducing yourself and what you do. And can you apply that type of backend solution with just an email once a week forward, like going forward with your consumer? Every week they open up your email, you're, you're teaching them something about their local market. You're teaching them something about real estate, a down payment assistant program with some new constructions. Leading with value and education to the consumer weekly is what I I denote as my consumer journey. So from a team perspective, my agents are calling my database every day, a couple hours a day, right? And then on the back end, I'm making sure that we're sending out weekly emails, that we're running weekly advertisements on Facebook that are all value-based. I don't sit there and go like, come see this home, come get a home evaluation. Just keep grinding with the CTA that's so played out, call to action, that's so played out. Lead, educate them, teach them something. And that's what I really consider a solid consumer journey is that every week you're pouring value into them. I have a solo agent in my, in my market. His name is Deontay. He's with EXP. He's 100% solo, not on a team, does his own thing. He's got a beautiful consumer journey. And when we met and I talked to him about it, he was like, you know what? I'm just going to go once a week and review a new construction community, get my camera guy out there, do a little selfie, save that, put a bomb bomb email together. Every week, I'm teaching my consumer something. Even if I don't have a good solid phone call with them, I'm going to provide value to them. So every week, he's emailing his consumers. It's a little thing. Good school zones, good restaurants in the area, something where they can see themselves living there and you providing an esoteric experience from like in a more omnipresence approach, not like you just calling them, asking them real estate questions, giving them value about the community that they are thinking about investing their life in is a great consumer journey. That's how I define it. I'm sitting there and I'm like, oh, writing an email every week of something that I'm proud of, going out, finding this the time to put together something of value. What do you say to me? Oh, just jasper.ai. Just go to AI, get, get a component and be like, and be like, let me write a blog or an email about this neighborhood. Put in like five notes and it will, it will extrapolate it. I mean, our entire marketing team, we shrank it down from five people to one and two VAs, and we're able to pump out content for a team our size. If you are really serious about it, um, get some overseas help for you know five, $6 an hour once a week. They'll utilize AI. You do have to know. So here's the thing. If someone's like, oh, I got to, I got to, this is so much work. Like, here's the thing. You don't own these houses. This is my, my, one of my things. You don't own these houses. You're a service provider as a real estate agent. The f- number one thing you could do is know your product. So what is knowing your service comes in three layers, right? It's availability. So I always give this thing. Why does, why does McDonald's beat Chick-fil-A on the balance sheet? Cause they're open more. It's not cause they actually have a better product or service. They're just open more. Number two, do you know your product? Right? Or are you just like picking through the MLS? Let me know when you see a house you like. You got to know your product. You got to know the shops, the entertainment. You have to be engulfed in your product, which is literally what's around you because you're in real estate. 
right? And number three, being solution oriented. Those are the three pillars of service that we teach our team. Always, even if you have to give them bad news, always come with a solution with it. If you're like, hey, sorry, the house went pending. Is there anything else you want? You're doing nothing. Like you're literally doing nothing as an agent. Like don't be lazy, know your product, know your area. So to answer your question, oh, that's a lot of work. Like you didn't go to a coffee shop that you liked this week. I guarantee you, because I go to every coffee shop downtown, all I see is people with realtor badges on. So I know you went to a coffee shop. Why don't we just talk about it for five minutes? Take a picture of the front, right? Or do a picture of yourself outside of it. Uh, you didn't go food shopping this week to talk about we have Publix in Florida. I don't know if you're Floridian, you know Publix is the best thing ever. Uh, a sale they have going on in the neighborhood, right? On the meats, they do a meat sale every Thursday. We do that. Like, hey, Publix has ribeyes on sale, right? There's, you live, you're living in the world of the experience of where you sell real estate that you provide to people that don't know what it's like to live there yet. It's just recording your life a little bit. It's not that difficult. When I explain this to my agents, now they're like, oh God, this is easy. And now you just see like, a bunch of mass media on them on Facebook, Instagram, posting their stuff. It's not that difficult. And if you say you don't have time, that's incorrect. You're just not efficient with your time, right? Because it's not like we all have 15 pending like during during COVID. Like that, that's out the window. Transactions are down. If anything, you have more time now than ever to, to build your brand presence to your consumer and focus on your consumer journey than you ever did. When you have consumers flying into you because interest rates are low and everybody can buy, no, you're trying to find the needle in the haystack well, why don't you also take two hours, three hours a week to develop some content and get out of your comfort zone, use virtual assistants overseas, use artificial intelligence. They all know how to do it at this point and provide value to your consumers. If that doesn't sound like you, well, guys, you're how you're differentiating yourself from your competitors, because when they're ready to buy, they're just going to click back on the Internet again and be routed to a different agent. And that's just a matter of fact. So if you can't stay in front of them, you're not going to win at this game. You're out of here. <laughs> yeah, you're, you ain't going to do good. You're not going to do good. But Besides you know. Jasper.ai, what other AI, if any, are you guys using on a regular basis? ChatGPT. Uh, ChatGPT is important. for It, it writes very well. Um, Jasper is plugged into ChatGPT. So if you use Jasper, it's Jasper is very uh, um, structured for emails and blog content. So it's good. I use Bar, which is Google's AI, for some research. It's more up to date. ChatGPT has a lag from September, I don't know, 2021, 2022. But uh, Bar is Google's uh, AI and it has a little bit more up to date data. So you can find, you know, if, I use it a lot for research. You Was know, that research. Bard? B A R D. B A, okay, gotcha. Bar. Not Barb. <laughs> Not Barb. Okay. Not B, but D, yeah. I use that for some research, you know, especially in Central Florida, figuring out, like, hey, Where's the most dense populations? Where are people moving in and out of? And also, guys, use your MLS. Like we have a, uh, our director of sales, Harold, is obsessed with looking at how much inventory is on the market. Like we only have a month or two months left of inventory on the market today. Like really getting engulfed with the, the market that he's selling in. And he gives up the data to the agents and they kind of have it as well. It's really important to know that as well. I always say use the MLS to its full functionality. A quick word on our toolbox. We know it can be overwhelming thinking about all of the systems you want to build into your business, and that is why we ask guests to submit their favorite checklist, template, or tracker so you don't have to build from the ground up. Go to realestaterockstarsnetwork.com and click Toolbox for your free access. Thanks so much. 
I love that you brought up AI um, because, of course, we've all like heard about it. You know, use AI, use AI. And I just I got back from Tom Ferry and they had so many presentations on like, if you're not using AI, you're getting left behind. You know, like it was an intense push. So I just started actually using like chat GPT, like trying to build the habit of using it every day. And it's actually insanely yep. helpful. I cannot believe I haven't been <laughs> using it. Um, but okay, so we got the AI piece. You mentioned VAs, virtual assistants, a couple times. Where do yeah. you, where do you guys find your VAs? Source them. Um, well, we use a company called Sphere Rocket uh, because we went really deep with the with the with the um, VAs, meaning that like our video editors, our like graphic designers, they are VAs. So Sphere Rocket actually sources them to so say, hey, I want a good video editor. Editor, they will get you twelve that specialize in that and you can interview them one by one, but you can also use one called onlinejobs.ph because Sphere yeah. Rocket does cost money, onlinejobs.ph, and you can source them from there too. But you know, you got to pour into them, train them, develop them as any other employee. They're just at a cheaper rate because of the currency exchange, but it's like anybody else. So that's what we use. Yeah. There's so there's, I hear so often where it's like, Oh, I'm going to hire a VA or I'm going to hire someone. And then all of this will be off my plate forever. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa wait, <laughs> they, you, you know, they can't just read your mind in regard to your own vision and expectations and job description Correct. and training and all of these things. So I love how you threw that, that part in. Um, that I, Alex yeah. Ramosi said something about like, you either do the thing or you manage the person. It's the responsibility Correct. is never gone. Um, yeah. Question on, you know, you guys are doing emails consistently. Tips on how to increase open rate. Like, what are you guys doing with subjects or just yeah. like in general tips? Um, you know, we just did some optimization I just mentioned. So we actually just measured that for the first time. And, um, you know, your call to actions will always perform a little bit better in terms of like, hey, come get your home evaluation or your cash offer or learn about this down payment assistant program. But I think, um, what's what we use we use mailchimp we love mailchimp as a tool because there's a journey you can pre-build your journey so you don't have to actually go in there every week and do them but it's a lot of work to pre-build them but what i would say in terms of subject lines things like that use jasper jasper will decide what's the best subject line for you we don't make those decisions anymore um but run whatever strategy you're going to run this is my two cents and do it for six months just throw crap against the wall. Just act. Just do action. And then look it back at six months and be like, what opened? What didn't open? Why do you think that happened? Was this a waste of content? Let's take this out. Let's redo it. And then run that same playbook again six months later with your pieces kind of redefined on what you want. So that would be my recommendation because subject line, what works, it depends. It's like, for example, let's use the word AI has been around for a long time recommendation engines, machine learning, like all these things are some formative approach of AI, some form of AI in some ways. And they've been going for a, for, for, for a long, long, long time. Now that ChatGPT has this language model that is in, or integratable with all these other softwares, now all these softwares are being, you know, powered by ChatGPT and the other, you know, APIs that, that allow AI happen. So you're able to see these these tools come up and be developed. And it's more of a language model because it can speak in English and derive English very, very well. So we can interact with it at a stronger level or at a more or deeper level. It's a hot word. It's a keyword. You know, so like for us as business owners, we open up everything in the email that says AI. So what matters changes, right? Uh, and 
uh, I don't know if you remember, uh, you're not from the tech world, but cloud computing was a huge thing a couple of years ago. Everything was in the cloud, like cloud, cloud, cloud. So if you're a tech guy, every time you saw cloud in your email, you'd open up to read about this new cloud service that happened. So these trends happen. Well, the same thing for your consumers. Like, what are they looking at? You know, and, and I think for the best thing to do is A and B test, just take action and then kind of optimize over time. And that'd be a recommendation because I can't tell you a subject line today and then because it could be different in three months from now, what's most you know optimal for that. Yeah, totally agree. Okay, as you guys look ahead or maybe what you're working on now, what are you either struggling to figure out how to overcome uh, or working to implement? Oh, God. Uh, um, truthfully, is something that will always be a focus when you're a team and you're supporting people is getting your agents to the next deal. I mean, because that depends so much on outside variables and really inside variables of what you control. It's really providing the value and support to the agents that they need to get that next deal. Cause that's always changing. What are required in 2020 and 2021 is not what requires now. And being open to know that that is a constant evolution. And we struggle with it. And anybody that leads agents will struggle with it. That's a norm. Like you're not in it alone. That's for sure. And if you want to build a team, that's, that's kind of what you have to do. Like how am I going to help expedite the process to get them to their next deal and keep them in this business for 30 more days? You know, and that's a question we ask ourselves, and that's a struggle that we have. And we haven't figured it out. So our onboarding, I always say that whenever we onboard agents for our team, it's funny. It's like, hey, you guys got the best version of our team because it's a little bit better than last month and a little bit better than the month before because we're always trying to make it a little bit better based on the data information we had to get that person into production as fast as possible. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's something that we will always struggle with. And that's it's normal. You know, you just kind of accept it. And we kind of just continue to work as the market tells us what we need to do. What are you guys seeing for your like turnover rate or or retention rate? Whatever you want to answer. Yeah, um, I would say we lose about twenty five or agents every quarter, and there's a lot of reasons why uh, that happened. Sometimes we failed them. Sometimes they failed us. You know, uh, uh, it's a two-way partnership. You have to take responsibility for your shortcomings too as a person and as a business. And that's hard, but we're committed to, to making it better. So we try to get that feedback and go forward. But a lot of them is that real estate from external point of view is a really nice picture. Uh, all the real estate TV shows, which are completely false and how, you know, our industry really does work. I think it gives them this, um, this, this, uh, you know, feeling that it's going to be a certain way and that it's not. And I think, yeah, it's all, it's all bullshit, lack of a better word. But um, one of the, one of the things that's important too, is that I call it like culture or shell shock. It's like when you, when you think it's going to be X, Y, and Z, you pass your test, you walk into here, then you're like, it's like going to a different country. You're, you're like culture shock. This is how things operate here. Like, okay. Like, you know, then I think it's like, this is what it takes to win. And I think when they realize it, a lot of them self like deselect out and someone stick around. But the reality of it, if if you don't go all in, this can't be a part-time gig anymore on on what it requires because those that are full-time and working are going to take those consumers that you try to service because they're really counting their pennies on things to work out for them. So the full-time agent really, really takes over the part-time agent in this type of market. And it just comes down to the fact that like, if you give them the prescription, 
on what it takes to be to be successful or the pathway or the playbook or what it takes, if they deselect or they retract from that work, like, you know, that's natural attrition. That's going to happen. And that's just part of the game. So we're always trying to keep people employed as what my game is and the 1099 contractors. So that's through sales. And, um, you know, but 25% every quarter usually, usually fall out. That's the truth of the matter. So. I've seen that as well, just across the board. And in the beginning, you know, I was like, ah, oh, yes, you can do this. Anyone can do this. And now I'm like talking them out of it. In the beginning, I'm like, I don't know if you want to do this. Like, <laughs> and same with um, what I found. I don't know if you found something similar, but like I found that the people who tend to do better in the industry have already done something challenging in their life beforehand. And they know what it is to struggle and to suffer and to endure and figure it out and have no other option. It's like the back against the wall or like the military veteran or yeah. yeah. Have you seen something similar? Yeah, actually we had a, one of my partners, a Drew Kindle. It was awesome. He was like our number one listigator forever. And then he's moved on to work in the investment space and we work together there. He literally says that he was like, look, the last time he was a Marine, he'd been deployed several times. He goes, the last W2 I had, they were shooting at me. So I'll take the 1099 where like the hustle is real, but at the end of the day, it's not as dangerous as some other occupations out there. And it's, it's very rewarding, but, but we have a concept on our team called burning the boats. You know, it's like, wow. you got to burn the boats and go all <laughs> yeah. in. Uh, Veronica speaks about that a lot. We've all kind of adapted it. It's just a matter of like the ones that I see are successful take Criticism well, rejection well, because the R in real estate for rejection. I just heard that in a mastermind we had yesterday. And uh, ignorance is bliss. Like they're just going to go in there and continue to work regardless of the outcome. And those are the three things that you'll see successful agents come into play. And we have some really successful agents do two hundred, three hundred thousand dollars in GCI, like even in this market. You know, very, very successful on our team and just understanding that this is what we, the commitment has to be in service has to be at the top of mind. You know, so like if you're willing to go all in with your life, your business, everything, this can be a massive success for you because the reward is so great. But if you're anything short but all in, you're going to see that in your results. You know, I have one of our top producers, you know, he's going to be middle of the pack this year. Dude keeps on going on vacation. He like everything, like he has, whenever he has like a seven closing month, he's back on vacation. I'm like, dude, you lost all your momentum. He's like, yeah, I'm going to go here. You know, we got a cruise coming up. So it's like, I'm like, okay, bro. But like when you used to be top five on a team and you find yourself middle, the, like the 15, 20, 30 a spot out of 70 agents, like that's why. Because this is not the time to go on vacation. This is the time to work and work and work. Vacation is when rates go back down and buyers are coming to you like crazy. This is not vacation time, guys. This is work every day, all day, but that's what it takes. You know, that's really what it takes. So for people that don't know any better, one of the biggest challenges I have, Shelby, is that when I had an agent that was successful in the past, been in six years, and they think that things are ever going to get easier, when I have a new hungry agent that has a great great military background, timeshare experience, was doing a solo agent on themselves for a year and realized how tough it is, right? Those people that come into our system and they're like, so committed to excellence and work and don't know how great the good times were that this is their good time. This is their baseline. This is their expectation. They are way more successful because they're not looking back in the past going like, damn, remember when it was just like, we're listings were selling over asking. I didn't even have to talk about pricing with a, 
with the seller. Everything was just selling you through the number against the wall, had five showing requests the next day. If they don't know that's expectation, their reality is this. Mm-hmm. And they seem to find more success quicker because of that. So I think like the season agent, that's why when I pulled the data, hey guys, even you season agents, 112 calls last year for closing, 400 this year for closing. You do understand that's a new expectation. You know, and I think for them, they're like, okay, like, you know, the, the, the don't get caught with the market moving around you, move with the market. You know, don't get caught with the market moving around. It's a type of move with the market. If it changes, the requirement change, make the necessary changes. You know, that's from a business and agent perspective as well. So that's, you know, my two cents on that as well. Yeah. At Tom Ferry, they had this panel that they called Rising Stars. And it was like all these kids, you know, like literally 20, 21 year olds. There's a 19 year old up there. And they were talking about like how they were coming into the industry in their first couple months or a year, you know, what they're doing. And the last question was to this one kid. And it was like, um, what would you say to the top producers? And he would say, you better run faster because I'm coming for you. And I was like, damn, <laughs> but it's true. It is it's so true. true. And I, I love everything that you just said. And I'm sure there's other people out there who are like, yo, this dude, I'm vibing with him. I want to reach out and maybe, you know, think about joining y'all's team or talking yeah. more. So for those people, where can they find you? So uh, I would say my Instagram typically, but I have a jiu-jitsu tournament. Uh, that I'm going to. So I delete it about like four weeks before. So I actually am leaving on Wednesday. So I kind of eliminate all my distractions from my life. Uh, E7CP is my Instagram handle, eric at figueroateam.com if you want to email me. And I'll get back to you as soon as I can. I'm pretty responsive on every platform. Probably have a bunch in my inbox now. Don't go on my Facebook. That's my marketing team. Do not Facebook message me. That's someone else is managing that. You don't know the response you're going to get. Uh, but on Instagram and email, and I'm pretty, pretty responsive on that. Love it. So. And we'll also link all of the ways to get in touch with you in the show notes in case listeners, you missed it. Just go to the show notes sure. and make sure you hit Eric up. He's free and lots of energy, lots of insight. Eric, it has been awesome hanging out with you. Freaking yeah, thank sure. you so much for coming on the show today. Thank you for having me. And I uh, hope your listeners enjoyed Yeah, they will. And listeners, just a reminder, if you want to hang out with me and the owner of the show, we are The Shelby Show and Aaron Amugastegi on the gram. We want to hear your feedback. We want to know what you like, what you don't like, what you want us to deep dive into. And also, if you are an experienced investor, y'all know Aaron is hosting an event this September in Austin. If you want to be a part of that event, go to investordeepdive.com. And guys, that is what all we have for today. Eric, you are freaking awesome. And real estate rock stars, thanks for listening. Thank you. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.